At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Okay, sorry. That's that's today's film. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. The pod pa- the podcast being the podcast being oral hygiene, uh, where we look at um, educational films, experimental caught films, and weird documentaries. This one pretty much fits into the um, center stream of those, being quite a experimental. Freak Fest. This is Matt. With me today is Mark Malik. Say hello, Mark Malik. Hello, Mark Malik. I've got so much trouble on my mind, and I refuse to lose this podcast. There we go. See, I see. I set you up for it this time, so it made more sense than the last time you were on. Yeah, and then I just went on the whatever tangent I felt like going on from the from the from there. So this is. Good. Um, I think this is. So D- director Kenneth Anger, if you're not familiar, we'll try and have a few words about him not being experts ourselves, but I do believe this is his first color film. I don't know. Okay, I, I do know, okay, I'm doing this from memory, but I, I believe he had done fireworks in the late 40s, which I watched maybe once. He did the first version of Rabbit's Moon before this, and I think this was next in his cavalcade of Magic Lantern films. 1953. That's Magic um with a ck at the end so yes that's the sex magic version and um he was a major proponent of uh thalema and crowley which is kind of why we this is our second attempt doing this we tried to do it a few weeks ago and realized we were like in over our heads yes and i've i've done a little bit of research and i'm just more in, in over my head than i was before but i do have some some understanding of what was happening in the film instead of just ooh there's that guy ooh there's that guy ooh there's that guy well, I don't envy you, you giving you this task this week but uh yeah tell us what happens in this film the inauguration of the pleasure dome that was that was a um that's what happens that's okay that yeah <laughs> stuff happens <laughs> in this film i um it's I, a cere- it's clearly a ceremony that is probably just made up. Uh, well, well, it's probably not the backstory. the The backstory is that Kenneth Anger went to a Halloween party, and the theme was "Come as your madness." That's and a good theme. That, that but it is, it is, and that sort of inspired this. And you can basically see that it feels like a Halloween party. Yeah, except one with you know a Thalema Halloween party. That's what I was saying. Like the ceremonial stuff, I'm. I'm I would be going to guess uh, he nicked a fair amount of this. Um, the woman uh, is Alan Parsons' wife, so uh, Jack Parsons. Different, Jack Parsons. Different Alan Parsons. Parsons is is the rock and roll. Yes, Jack Parsons. Thank you, NASA when, Crowley. When this was recorded, uh, he had just died. The he Jack- blew himself up with nitroglycerin, unless it was a magic attack by an enemy, possibly L. Ron Hubbard. The best. I still haven't watched the movie The Master. I need to do that, but uh, it's fantastic. Yes, it's better than this. I, you know, no, sorry, Kenneth Anger. <laughs> the 
the best modern magic attack had to be um Rudolf Hess and um Crowley and have you heard this story? Uh which which story is that? Is that the uh, the one where they keep like locking themselves out of the building or whatever it was? Oh no 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 no. Um Hess had got, used back channels cuz he was pretty high up in the Nazi structure, right? Right. He was like Hitler's mystic. And um okay. he got to the point where he himself flew a uh, uh, not a jet but a, a you know a propeller plane and made it all the way to Scotland and got shot down i think he was like planning to go talk to the royals and end the war but when he landed he was wearing this coat covered with enochian symbols and stuff so oh, okay and then he was like interrogated by crowley and like was like nuts after that so <laughs> wow I mean, yeah, I there, was, there are just so many stories. I mean, he was nuts before that too, being a, a you know upper tier Nazi and running around wearing magic coats. But uh, he became <laughs> incoherent later, and uh, yeah, he actually lived to be quite an old man, uh, locked up in prison. That's what I mean. That's what happens. Um, so, so basically, Marjorie Cameron, who was the Scarlet Woman in this film, and was the Scarlet Woman in real life apparently just showed up on Jack Parsons doorstep, not knowing how she got there after he and L Ron Hubbard did some kind of ritual to produce the Scarlet woman so that they could give birth to the antichrist. I'm not, Hubbard, I didn't, Hub, I didn't Hubbard, make that up. I know. I know you didn't. I was just like, <laughs> Parson and Hubbard were going to have the antichrist or no, they were going to perform the ritual, probably having taking turns, having sex with someone or other. Okay. So they wouldn't know which one was the data. Except you want to have a moon no, child, so you have to time it right. Yes, and you have to do all the uh, all the ritual, and probably, I, I assume it was something like sixty days of saying something over and over, and screaming at each other, and waving yeah. things around. And there's a um, there there's a it's it's very possible that Barbara Bush was uh, Crowley's daughter or something. Oh, okay. Because Barbara Bush's mother that, had had a wild fling with Crowley, and not long before Barbara Bush was born, that makes a lot of sense. Of course, that happened. Yeah. But anyway, all that happened, all that happened before inauguration of the Pleasure Dome, because Jack Parsons was dead by then. So you yeah, have to just, think in terms of just trying to build, you know, build the backstory of this film. <laughs> it is, it is life imitating art, which is even or sorry art imitating life which is even weirder it would be somehow less weird if they were trying to perform rituals after making this but getting this is getting from mirror to the film itself both of us had the same first note i think no kenneth just anger <laughs> yeah of course and you've got to be able to read backwards as crowley told you well actually just the credits run backwards but you know that's that's kind of a i i would imagine it's a little Thalema touch. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. That seems like maybe they just used an overhead projector, and that's why. Have, I think I mentioned this last time we spoke, but have you seen a recent picture of Kenneth Anger? No, I still haven't. Oh man, he looks like the crypt keeper now. But what second? What blew my mind even more is he looked like a totally normal dude until about fifteen years ago. <laughs> And well, I do know that uh, I keep getting targeted ads for his jacket, Lucifer Rising jackets. It they is just true. have like Lucifer and a rainbow font. No, I know what you mean. Three hundred dollars. Oh, starting starting at three. That's that's why I don't have one. It's like 
it's like you're just wearing a thing on your back that says, remember those ads you saw? I have $300. <laughs> and then you get uh, mugged and stabbed yeah. in the heart. <laughs> yeah, it's like if, if the jacket was $40, I'd be like, all right, cool. And um, yeah, and then we, get, we see some dude with beads. And I think I, I wrote Kenneth will tell you where those beads are going. But then I was, uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't the orifice. I expected the beads to enter. He just ate them. So which is it's probably better, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose there isn't. It's just a product of the time where there wasn't like just straight up sex in this, even though it was just a, a big uh, stream of metaphors. Well, on this podcast, we did a multiple maniacs a few weeks ago where we do oh. have um, a divine being pleasured by rosary beads in a church. So, <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can draw a almost straight line from Kenneth Anger to John Waters. Yeah, I was like, give this movie some John Waters style dialogue and wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, multiple maniacs is it's incredible the how good the restoration looks. Oh, and sorry yeah, I to. I did notice that link is. I like to keep live links for this podcast. I did notice that one's dead, but it was a really nice print, so it doesn't surprise me. Well, it's, that was probably the Criterion version. Which it was. The, you, you can, can get. Yeah, you can search and uh, you can find the crap looking videotape version on YouTube, but it, it, that one yeah. has the benefit of having Elvis on the soundtrack, so there's that. But anyway. <laughs> Back yeah, to the crap the, looking video version is the only version I saw until the re release. I guess that's <laughs> the only version that existed. But yes, um, so um, Satan I mean, is here and he is. Uh, oh, Satan that's why is, we have lots of red. Okay. He's pretty flamboyant in this. Yeah, I said we had no reason to assume this man is anywhere near the ballpark of sanity, but I'd argue listening to opera already puts you out of that ballpark. So, <laughs> well, it. it this film feels like an opera yeah because the- I'm, I'm not a huge opera fan and uh opera does sort of feel like here's a bunch of people in front of you just being there yeah taking turns just being there and that's that is how it feels i i guess the um main thing that this film really what really stands out in this film is the um sort of design or the fashion influences because uh when the is it the scarlet lady it shows up looking like a genetic splice of joan crawford and ziggy stardust yes <laughs> yes so, yeah. i i wrote on my notes uh looks like moulin rouge but cooler yeah i was like you know it's well, i wrote a decade too early it's like two decades too early but i kept expecting you know klaus nomi to stroll in at any point <laughs> yeah it feels it feels very ahead of its time which is makes it a lot more palatable being bo- having like no narrative basically and we both made a uh, pretty copious references to rocky horror because uh we got the lady looking like columbia almost exactly we have a guy that looks almost exactly like rocky horror so that's true i mean it's it's got uh, you could you could say that thalema is like the origin of goth and rocky horror was like the the maybe the first mainstream goth thing that existed yeah but goth is all i see i think of goth is all black and dark gray where this is a intensely colorful movie maybe maybe glam is a better word than goth i'm not good with genres okay i already went with rocky horror and ziggy stardust so and (laughs) yeah i guess in there too so yes glam i'm I'm going to call that one out as glam then um 
but and some of the photography, yeah, breaking some film rules, you know, it's like fashion photography, fashion photography, then it gets more surreal, then it goes back, you know, mm-hmm. um, weird Nokian symbols. Um, and then the, 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 the modern face mask, you can replace that mask you've been going to the store with, with this birdcage thing. Oh, I intend to. Yeah, actually you can't though because it, it doesn't function unless you had like plastic, but covering I'm too the tall. Case. I'm too tall and I won't fit through the door. <laughs> yeah, um, but so yeah, lots of lots of cool props here. Um, yeah, I so when you first watched this, did you think to yourself those people are all going to suffer because they're doing Satan stuff? You know, it didn't even occur to me they were doing Satan stuff the first time I saw it. I was, um, I, I thought it was pretty interesting that before I realized this had anything to do with Crowley or, Th- or Thalema, that I was like, oh, they're going to they die. They all, they're all going to die. <laughs> and uh, that's just sort of my uh, Western mind because the, all that stuff, Thalema is all about you do, you do it and... Uh, do what thou wilt. Shall yeah, you be do what thou wilt. The whole of the law. That's it. The whole of the law. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about it's not about punishment or or uh, suffering or penance or Catholic guilt or any of that stuff. But um, there, Kenneth Anger has sometimes been uh, pigeonholed as being the 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 head of actual Satanism, with uh, Anton Lavey just being sort of like the wacky poster boy. Well, I mean, Levian Satanism is is itself its own branch. So that there's, I think it's the Church like, of Satan or Temple of Satan that's a different. I I should have researched this, but yeah, because um, Jack I mean, Parsons was definitely a Satanist. Well, I, <laughs> so that's, I, uh, that's kind. Of, I was going to say though, that's where the whole Antlon Antlon Bay thing comes in. Now I'm not like saying, oh, actual Satanism is awesome, but uh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. I'll what, say it. What? Sure. What you actually consider to be what people generally consider to be Satanism is like pff, nothing even close, really. <laughs> well, Satanism is basically something that has satire built into it. Right, so, right. Uh, that's that's where the Levay thing comes in. That adds that like just makes it wacky. You know, wacky Satanism for the masses. Throw them on the yeah. Hotel California album. Is, is that real? I don't remember. Well, well, people, you know, people who criticize it are like, how can you worship Satan if you're, if, if you believe in Satan, then you're a Christian. And it's like, they're just immediately not getting the joke. Yeah. They're, they're worshiping themselves basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, that is basically it. And service to self, you know, so What's like and servicing yourself. yourself. And, yeah, believe and, in yourself. Do no, but do no harm is also part of it. So you know, you just you just build that into it, and you're not you're not really the kind of. But but the thing is, is that and the, for and the, everyone that you for everyone that gets the joke, there are people who don't who are just going to point at it and shriek, and then take your mm. take your uh, rap records away from you because they have curse words in them, right? And and the the booty hole is the portal to infinity. Indeed, power <laughs> bottom power bottoming is the way to, to true power. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that is the whole sex magic thing. That's not satire. That's Indeed. yeah. That's where Crowley was no, getting. That is real. Well, yeah, I think 
I, you could, you could definitely make the case that that's. I feel like that would be an entire other podcast just trying to dissect what sex magic actually is and what it actually means. But, <laughs> um, yes, you're. You know the the true basis of magic is like creating your own reality, and that is you are creating a a sticky, gross reality whenever you practice that. Now, um, I do want to mention the the vibe of this showing up in somewhere else that's pretty obscure, but I saw it a lot as a kid, and maybe you did because you'd be watching the same public TV. Do you remember a Canadian educational series called Read All About It? Vaguely. Okay, anyway, the some of the people here look like the people on the alien or the interdimensional planet or whatever it was in that show. So, because that one terrified me when I was a toddler. I, I, I loved that show, by the way, but uh, it, was, it was completely surreal. So, <laughs> yeah, it does feel like uh, it feels very 70s, like the it feels like 70s television, which is yeah. interesting. Right. So, well, again, it is a very uh, influential film, especially like design wise. Um, I, I should also mention the where it directly riffs things that did already exist because we got that guy that looks exactly like Nosferatu mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, another dude that looks like, um, you know, uh, Caligari's somnambulist. Well, and uh, right. and what I thought was uh, was some kind of like switched exposure of water which is the, all the fire was like it's um they it's footage from l'inferno that uh silent film from i think 1914 in the background like he, he was using actual footage from a silent film yeah italian film and i guess the the main issue with this like i said i, I hate opera and i wonder if this you know if this was done in the 70s and he could get a, another manson family member to do the soundtrack that could have been hip yeah i'm as much as i do like agree with a lot of the core principles of the people who made this i'm sure it's like a uh, ritual does bore me a lot and opera also does it's like i cannot picture myself um uh, imposing my will in a way that would require me to to read a bunch of esoteric stuff and then perform rituals mm. and and uh and opera is i don't know opera is a form of ritual yeah kind of yeah i can see it. i mean well so there's a symphony and i'm perfectly mm-hmm. happy listening to a symphony i just i hate that kind of singing mm-hmm. for whatever reason i mean I, yeah. I don't like show tunes either for kind of the same reason you know i i get it i i do like some musicals um i'll be perfectly frank i haven't watched hamilton yet and i'm kind of afraid to because i kind of i'm afraid i'll hate it <laughs> yeah i'm actually in that same boat so <laughs> uh, yeah i just don't i don't know how that would work for me but yeah the, this part of opera being sort of ritualistic is that there uh you have to do a certain amount of research to understand what's even happening because it's probably not in your native language I mean, I don't know if there's much English opera. Well, that's that why you... I brought up show tunes. I feel like that's sort of, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan, right? Mm-hmm. That would be English So opera. you're not the the major modder of a modern major general? <laughs> hey, you're the one that started that up. <laughs> <laughs> I've completely butchered it. So I, I'm not going to try. I, I fuck up normal sentences on this podcast regularly, so... <laughs> I fuck up normal sentences, the modern major general. There we go. 
but uh, yeah but this this, this is uh it's it's modern that's the, the bottom line is this is uh crowley's whole thing was he was trying to usher in i think the age of the the age of horace was yeah, that it that's right and uh you know like it or not he did that's what i'll say i think he probably did so he did if you just draw if even if you just sort of just sloppily go well you know anger was his disciple and then this led to uh read all about it which scarred you which made you start a podcast yeah there you go <laughs> i I, I, I see i was actually weird enough that i bought like weird bootleg dvds of them like around 2004 or something because YouTube was YouTube was around, and that was the only way you're going to see it. <laughs> hey, let's you know, Just thanks YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. So, I, although I don't sit around watching it, but yeah, I mean, this isn't the anger the anger film I usually go for. But like I said, it's kind of like, it's at the start of his cycle, and uh, it, I, I think fireworks is the first one, but I just didn't feel like doing fireworks because um. That, I mean, I'm not saying I don't like black and white, but I like seeing Kenneth Anger doing his, um, you know, his color films. And uh, also Fireworks is like, well, to put it, like that film's really gay. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised that this was so non-gay. This yeah. the, uh, inauguration so, of the Pleasure Dome. I thought it was just like, all right. I was like, where where's where's it go? Scorpio then, Rising is too. I don't mind that one. And then there's a short one, which just it's like showing a bunch of dudes around motorcycles with like homoerotic vibes. That one's a lot of fun. <laughs> but yeah, fireworks is. I, I guess it's too. Well, he it's his first film, right? He just he wasn't like making films as well as he would later. Although I guess there'd be plenty of people that would contest that he never made films well, but uh, or at least not watchable, <laughs> or that maybe all of them are good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's case. But. Anyway, I just felt like this was the place to start my um my my angering because we'll probably yeah. get to some more in the future, especially Lucifer Rising because that that is one I'll watch from time to time. And yeah, you can get a jacket, right, for three hundred bucks. So <laughs> yeah, this is a well, this is a good place to start because it just is. Uh, it's so ahead of its time, and it is like you said, it's in color and it. Uh, but but yeah, the uh, all the uh, gay stuff is just such a different context because we have no as much as we grew up in a time where it was uh, where things were a lot more uh, stuffy than they are now. It's it's impossible to imagine what that would be like in like the forties or fifties. Was about to say because this film just by sort of like letting it be its own thing is already pretty wildly breaking the boundaries, and then um. You know, this film basically is like fetishes, you know, which also is not yeah. really something that you do in the fifties. Yeah, like to. I, like I was saying, just just them not going, getting punished for messing with with the stuff, is itself almost radical. Even for even that, even for the seventies, we were still doing morality plays until like the 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 seventies was sort of when film got to where it was like it, we could have taxi driver and, and no one learns anything and that's the scary part <laughs> you know it's just uh no one learns anything here they just uh usher in the age of no. horus no they learn how to inaugurate a pleasure dome right right that's it and and uh, and like i also put in my notes that the uh, the idea of the pleasure dome was based on uh, samuel taylor Coleridge's poem kublai khan which is how uh citizen kane opens so 
you could be like you could picture that these people were all having this orgy at like uh elderly charles foster kane's mansion okay eyes wide shut stuff there you go <laughs> yeah you just tie that together i mean you know if, if you got lots of money you get weird right because just buying that uh, vacation is not going to do it for you, maybe. <laughs> if I mean, if Kane was real, yeah, of course he would do this stuff. Like, yeah, why wouldn't he? It's almost you'd be a fool not to bring bring people over to your home and invoke Satan and have a boob for a while hanging out. I don't want to see Orson Welles' boob hanging out. <laughs> well, you will when you inevitably do a, one of those films that has his boob in it. Is that a, one of his like wine commercial outtakes where he just like <laughs> slowly starts pulling down his shirt to reveal his nipple? <laughs> oh, I see you're looking at my nipple. Oh, my song. <laughs> so, yeah, that could be fun. Um, any, any other points you want to throw on this? As you're doing your impression there. Hail Satan. You just got real quiet. Did I? Yeah. Hail Satan. Oh, there. That's a little better. Okay. Um, do you want to tell people where to find you? Or have you been up to any wacky find, shit? Find me at the Pleasure Dome. I am. Uh, you'll find me at, at uh, stunrunner.bandcamp.com. Music is there. You probably find me on this podcast as well yeah and i talk sci-fi flicks at matt and luke's sci-fi sanctuary mlsfs pod at twitter facebook and those sort of things at mlsfs pod did, did i do that again you sort of did i left I'll a figure pause out. yeah okay also, so sometimes i'm on that podcast yeah so off we go into the pleasure dome for satanic <laughs> ceremonies Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done.